Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set We're in First Samuel 21. Before we get into this, I want to talk about something that kind of plays into today's story. If you've ever heard the phrase, the end justifies the means, the end justifies the means. That means you're, when you're going through something that isn't fair or it doesn't seem right, why is this happening? It shouldn't be that way. But then as it plays itself out, you go, oh, okay, I see. I see what happened. Now I see it worked out. What it means is that the end of it justified the means that you had to go through to get there. Like, for instance, when I worked at the the radio place, I was money hungry at the time. That's all that was on my mind was money. And after five years of getting no raise, finally, they finally decided to sweep the whole company. Everybody got raises in the entire company except me. Now, imagine what that does to your mind. First of all, you're, you're worshiping the big dollar bill. Everybody got a raise but you. Everybody that day is all excited. Finally, they're, talking, they're not talking about how much money they make, but they're just excited. The company's doing better. We can all get raises. And everybody knew it was across the board that everybody got a raise. And everybody's celebrating. And they're like, yes, good company. And you're the only one that didn't get one. And you got to listen to this talk all day long. I was mad. I was steaming because money was my God. I didn't realize until later, God was humbling me. He was pushing me down to get me away from that God, to get me to look at him. And so finally, I gave up money and said, I don't need this God. I need the the true God, the God of Israel. Now I follow him. That's what made it easy for me to walk away from my 20-year radio career to do full-time ministry, because if I still bowed to that other God, I wouldn't be doing this, because I'm telling you, there's no money in ministry, okay? (laughs) You're not going to get rich. I know you're thinking about some pastors that are. The real pastors are impoverished. The real pastors that I've met, the ones in Africa, they probably have one suit and one pair of shoes, and they wear those shoes out traveling, walk in to get to all the churches that they've planted. Those are real pastors right there, I'm telling you. They don't have no limos, and they don't even have air conditioning. They meet under a a cattle cover, and they have church in it, and they're really they really want it. Those I I really respect those guys. So at the time though, when I didn't get the raise, I was upset. But now I understand where God was trying to get me to. It wasn't unfair. I was mad. This isn't right. There's something wrong about this. But now the end justifies the means. And so we're going to see a little bit of that play in here today about the end justifying the means. Let's get on into it. 1 Samuel 21 and 1. Now David came to Nob and uh, to Ahimelech the priest 
And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone? And no one is with you. So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business. And he said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. Okay, Ahimelech, the priest, he's scared. David comes walking up. Stories are going on around about David, like, like, why are you here? Why'd you come to me? <laughs> this kind of reminds me of when Samuel went to Bethlehem back in chapter 16. Samuel and Saul had a goings-on too. I mean, Saul seems to not be able to get along with anybody. You ever know those people, they just can't get along with nobody. The problem is that guy, not everybody else. Hey, friend, a quick little lesson here from 1 Samuel. If everybody has a problem with you, maybe it's you. So anyway, Samuel showed up in Bethlehem in chapter 16, and the people were scared of him, and they asked, do you come in peace? Like, what's going on? Is it us? (laughs) Or what are you here for? And so obviously word of mouth travels around fast that when Samuel showed up, the people were thought maybe we're in trouble. It's kind of like as pastor of of this church, I ask a member, hey, you want to talk for a minute? The first thing they get that look on their face is, "Uh uh-oh, what did I do wrong? (laughs) Nothing, I just want to talk to you. So he shows up, and Ahimelech is, okay, what did I do? (laughs) You you can hear it. Why, Why are you here? What's going on? And so David, though, he's pretty much world famous at this point because he had killed Goliath. Any, if that's all David ever did was just kill Goliath, that right there alone makes you a legend. But David had a lot of other battles for Israel, and he was winning them all for Israel's benefit. And so to see him show up all alone, and it's got poor Ahimelech wondering, what's the deal here? Now, one possible reason why, maybe, a little speck of possibility, why Ahimelech was concerned about David showing up is because Ahimelech is a descendant of Eli. Y'all remember Eli further up in the book? Eli was the high priest. He had those two sons that abhorred the sacrifice of the Lord, and they were very abusive to people. They used their priest status to abuse and steal and hurt people. And Eli refused to do anything about their behavior. He was their dad. He should have said, now you two boys sit down and stop this, and I'm going to do something about it. But Eli didn't have the backbone to contend with it. And they paid for it. They all ended up paying for the Lord punished them. And also, and when I'm thinking of Eli, I remember in 1 Samuel 1, Eli accused Hannah of being drunk while she prayed. Have you ever prayed, but you weren't saying anything, but your mouth moved? As a priest, you would think the guy would be able to identify that. And so the Lord sent a prophet to tell Eli that his house would be cut off from the priesthood. Eli and his two sons, they were all messed up. His family, they were a messed up bunch of guys. The Lord said, we're going to cut you off from the priesthood. And that the Lord said, I'm going to raise up another one who's going to do according to what is in my own heart and mind. Ahimelech is in the family of Eli. He's in that family, and it was prophesied, your family's going to be cut off from the priesthood. Now, here comes David. What do you think Ahimelech's thinking? Why are you here, man? What's going on? Is this my day? David shows up, and uh, Ahimelech was afraid. I understand now. 
The way Ahimelech saw this, it's possible he thought maybe even David came to kill him. I mean, if this guy is winning battles, if this guy killed Goliath and he shows up on my doorstep, maybe he's here to kill me? Why are you here? But if this was not how Ahimelech saw it, let's say, let's say maybe Ahimelech was not seeing it this way. Let me throw in another possibility. Then he may have feared that the enemies of Israel would be right behind Israel's future king. You've got a king in place. You've got a king that's, a, that's anointed to become king. That's going to stir up a lot of controversy. And enemies were going to be following David to try to wipe him out. I think Ahimelech understood this. And if David shows up, the enemies are going to show up to try to take him out. So was Ahimelech afraid for himself prophetically? I don't know. Was he afraid because of enemies trying to come after David would bring trouble there? That's a possibility too. Ahimelech has a lot of reasons to be scared. I'm just trying to address some of the possibilities why he may have been afraid of David's being there. But David was just trying to get away from King Saul. But why did David lie? Did you see he lied to Ahimelech? King Saul had not ordered David out on business. So why did David say that? Why did he lie? Now, this story, to people who are going to try to manipulate this story, this story does not justify lying. That's what David chose to do. He has a sin nature just like the rest of us do. But some people speculate that David lied, I'm on the king's business, in order to protect Ahimelech from any charges of conspiracy if Saul were to later find out that he had helped David. He's asking help from Ahimelech to protect Ahimelech. He made something up that uh, the king sent me out on, on, on a mission. Now, if Ahimelech did not know anything, if he was, I'm unaware of what David's up to, then the king could not punish him for it. I think that was David's logic on why he lied to him. But I think David still has not realized the fullness of Saul's unreasonable character because Saul doesn't care if you know anything or not. He's killing everybody regardless. I think David maybe has not identified that yet. Saul, if you remember, he tried to kill his own son, Jonathan, just in the previous chapter, right after he tried to convince Jonathan that his reason for wanting to kill David off was to establish Jonathan's throne. You don't say, hey, Jonathan, I want to make sure your throne is okay. That's why I'm mad at David. And then try to kill the guy that you're trying to set up. Saul, you're making no sense. (laughs) How could Saul try to kill his own son that he claimed he was trying to set up as king? Just doesn't make any sense. Now, David did not seem to understand yet. He didn't seem to understand yet that Saul would try to kill Ahimelech, whether Ahimelech helped David or not. It seems to be anybody that's associated with David. He wants to kill. He tried to kill Jonathan just for association. One thing I want to shoot forward to, though, in the next chapter, Ahimelech is killed by Saul anyway. He does get killed. He gets slaughtered by Saul anyhow. And so at this point, though, David thinks that Saul's insanity is limited only to just him. <laughs> Saul's gonna, out to get everybody. David tried to find sanctuary with Samuel the priest back before when he ran off earlier. And so now he came to find sanctuary with Ahimelech the priest. And so being that David had been on the run without anything to eat, he's just asking Ahimelech to eat some bread. 1 Samuel 21 and 4. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. 
This verse alone gives us a lot of information. Here's this holy bread that's in the care of a priest. This holy bread is what's called the bread of presence, the bre- or, or showbread. It's called the bread of presence, which was used as a food offering to the Lord, and it was placed on a table inside the tabernacle. And so just from this one verse alone, we now know where the tabernacle's at. The tabernacle is at, where did he go? He went to Nob. So now we know this is the tabernacle. See how much info you can get out of a verse. You got to dig. You got to see what they're talking about. There's no common bread, but there is holy bread. Exodus 25 and 30. The Lord says, and you shall set the show bread on the table before me always. Okay, so we've got clues on where the tabernacle now is. The bread set on the table of the pure, the pure gold table before the Lord was called the bread of presence. And where was the bread of presence kept? It was kept in the tabernacle, the same place where the Ark of the Covenant was at. The last known location that we have about where the tabernacle was was located way back in 1 Samuel 7. That was many, many years ago. It was in Kirjath-Jerim was the name of the place. And since that time, all those years back, there has been no mention of the tabernacle's location, where it had been, where it had traveled to, where it had journeyed, until now in 1 Samuel 21. All of a sudden, now we know that it's in Nob. So now that we know that the tabernacle was in Nob, where David had come here in chapter 21, we have a lot of information just from that one statement. There's no common bread here, but we have holy bread, he said. So David asked for something to eat. Ahimelech said there was no common bread, but only the bread of presence, the holy bread. And about that bread of presence, no one but the priests were allowed to eat it. That was the priest's bread. That's what they got to eat, especially for some men that may have been with David, especially for men who probably had been messing around with women that would made them ceremonially unclean. They certainly could not have eaten of it. That's why Ahimelech said, let me find it, that's why he said there's no common bread, but there is holy bread if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. It's kind of like, you're not really supposed to have this bread because it's the holy bread, but gosh, your guys, have they been messing around? I mean, we shouldn't profane that. So it's kind of looking like the priest is saying, this really isn't for you. You really shouldn't be doing this. But let's see what David says in 1 Samuel 21 and 5. Then David answered the priest and said to him, truly, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. Okay, an interesting detail here is the fact that David is talking like he'd been around all these other men. We saw that David arrived in Nob all alone. Here's part of the argument that people see in the Bible, because based on the fact that Ahimelech said, why are you here all alone? I believe David had guys with him. I believe some men, remember Jonathan sent David away, and I think he had some guys that picked up and went with him. As a matter of fact, later Jesus spoke that David and those with him ate this bread. Okay, so I believe some guys, there are some people that have come along with him. But David assured Ahimelech that he and the others, any, anybody else who was with him, they were clean. He's saying, no, we're clean. We're, we're set apart wholly from sexual immorality. He he, he said that so that Ahimelech would allow him to eat some of that holy bread. He's saying, look, we're okay. 
It's like, I know we're not priests, but we have not been messing around out there because that was a Himalayan concern that y'all been uh, around women. Now, interestingly, though, David is not a Levite. Who knows what tribe David was from? Judah. What's significant about that is that's where the Messiah would come from. Now, the showbread, the bread of presence was for the Levites, and David's not a Levite. So technically, because David was from Judah, not a Levite, technically, by law, David was not supposed to eat this bread. He's not supposed to have it. So 1 Samuel 21 and 6 so the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Okay, as it says here, bread was taken from before the Lord. In other words, they would bake fresh bread for the table of presence to put in the tabernacle, but the bread that David had been given was the old bread that had been taken away from the presence of the Lord. So every every Sabbath or so, they would come and they would put fresh bread in there, the bread that had been there for the week. They took that away. That's the bread that the priest got to eat. So that's what David got. It was the bread that had been taken away. Let's read about this real quick in Leviticus 24 and 5. It says, And you shall take fine flour and bake 12 cakes with it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord, and you shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Every what? Every Sabbath. How often is that? Once a week. You see how we're playing in the story now. Every Sabbath, he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, that's the Levites, for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. Okay, so the bread was replaced every Sabbath, which means every week. But the old bread was for Aaron and his sons. It's for the Levites that they were to eat that bread. Now, David, like I said, was not a Levite. He was from Judah. So the question arises now, here comes the, the end. He's got to justify the means somewhere. Right now, we're in the means. The means is that David can't have it. <laughs> David, you're really not supposed to eat this bread. So the question I ask myself when I read this is that how could Ahimelech have given David this older showbread when by law, David was not allowed to eat it? You see the problem. The most important matter at hand here is that God's chosen man is hungry and could die. That's the bigger priority. Guys, if you're starving to death, you need something to eat. You're hungry. Well, I've got this holy bread that nobody really should eat. Well, the bigger matter at hand is you need something to eat. That's the bigger priority. And so he gave him the bread. There was nothing in the law that allowed the bread that said the bread could not be given to someone else if they were needing it, that they were in trouble. Ahimelech knew that this law, even the law around the bread and all this stuff about the bread, he knew the law was given by God to help life, not to hurt it. Everything the Lord does is to help life, not to hurt it, including the law. And so he knew, knew that the law demanded that you should help the needy always takes a higher priority than ritual. Helping the needy takes higher priority 
than ritual. Deuteronomy 15 and 7. Let me show you that. It says, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs, whatever. Ahimelech, do you have bread? Well, it's showbread. You're not supposed to eat that. Well, the law says you're not supposed to eat that bread, David. Well, the law also says don't shut your hand. Open it wide and give to whatever, whatever he needs. See, this means it giving to the poor person who is in need, it trumps the law of you can't eat that. And so Ahimelech determined that when ritual and starvation conflicted with each other, then giving the bread to David took upper importance. It was higher priority. If you were starving to death, you'd probably want the bread too. And wouldn't it not be right for me to give it to you if you needed to have it? Well, that's not for you. That's, that's for, you know, we need to keep that bread. We're going to do that for communion later today. I have service later, and, and if I don't have any communion bread, then nobody gets to take communion. Well, guess what? The people coming to church ain't starving to death. If I had communion bread and a starving man begged me for bread, I would give him the communion bread. The letter of the law, how it's written, the do and the don't, and you got to do this and don't do that. There's purpose to it, but that's not the upper importance. The letter of the law is not, it doesn't mean the letter of the law is unimportant, but it can never be followed at the expense of the spirit of the law. There's two things. There's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. The letter of the law, do this, don't do that, do it this way, don't do it that way, but the spirit of the law says, this is to further life. This is to further the kingdom service of God. We have to learn how to divide the two apart and see them for what they are. Some people, they're the letter of the law, the letter of the law. We're not going to do this because the letter of the law, and, and they're so stuck on this letter of the law that they forget the spirit of the law. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were always trying to get him. And they were always trying to throw law at him. Oh, we caught you. We got you on this. But they forgot the spirit of the law. Jesus was going around telling people how to be saved. But the Pharisees were, no, the letter of the law. Jesus, you can't do this. They forgot the spirit of the law, which says we're going to further life. We got to get focused on furthering. Well, I got to get up and I got to go to church in the morning. Here I am. I am here at church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's listen to the pastor. Good job, pastor. You did a good sermon. And go home and you forget the spirit of what I'm trying to tell you. Don't get caught up in the letter that you forget the spirit of it. The spirit is to further life, to tell people the gospel, to save lives, to feed the hungry, to help the poor. It's not to come in Check off your box for church. Don't get ritualistic to where you forget why you're doing it. Understand the purpose of what the law is trying to do, which is to preserve life. I think David being given this showbread that wasn't really for him was God's provision for David's survival. David would probably die. God provided him that showbread. And I think that was something we can't really argue about. Now, I want you to hang on to this story of David eating the showbread here because it's going to hold significance here shortly. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.